Well, welcome to the Story of Hope podcast, where we're sharing stories of how Bible translation brings hope to the people groups of the world. My name is Alex Winslade, and I'm here again with my co-host. My name is Esther, ah, Adams, I almost said Smith, Esther Adams, <laughs> <laughs> and I am uh, the front person of the band Eversmith, which is with my brother, and we have been in partnership with Wycliffe Bible Translators as ambassadors for a really long time. Stoked to be here today on the podcast. Um, this one is a little bit special. I also forgot to just, sorry, um, I forgot to share what I do. I work at Wycliffe. Um, <laughs> I work at Wycliffe New Zealand and work in the office and help promote uh, what we do. So yeah, that's me. Yay. So yeah, this podcast is a little different to the previous ones. Uh, it's the first of this year. And so we thought we'd do a bit of a recap on some of our favorite moments from um, the previous podcasts that we've recorded, the previous episodes that we've recorded. And so hmm. that's what we're going to do today. And I should mention that uh, the Story of Hope podcast is part of the NRT Podcast Network. So go check them out. There's so many great things on there to view and watch. And you can also check out all of our um, previous podcasts as well. This is a great time to do that. They're awesome. And we mm. have a playlist to make it easy for all of you. So check that out. Yeah, for sure. Um, yes. Yeah, so it probably looks a little different just having me and Esther here. And you might notice we might start to do a few things differently throughout the year, but just hoping to introduce some new segments. And uh, one thing we'd like to do is a consistent icebreaker. So both Esther and I are going to answer the icebreaker today. Um, so our question is, what is something from the Bible that has encouraged or impacted you recently? Um, and I also just want to share that the reason we picked this question is because we feel that um, a huge part about raising awareness about translating the Bible into other languages is actually starting with an acknowledgement and an appreciation for the Bible in our own lives. Um, so, yeah, we're excited to introduce this question and hear a lot of people's answers to it, starting with us. Yeah. <laughs> um, did you want to go first, Esther? Sure. So uh, one of the things that has been really, really huge for me recently is uh, last year uh, we went through some things and uh, right when the beginning of the hard stuff that we were going through happened, I went to the Lord and I was like, God, what are you saying to me in this time? How do I deal with this situation? How do I approach this? And I remember God speaking to me. It was about this time last year. And he was like, Esther, the extent to which you repent is the extent to which you'll survive this and come out wow. with a soft heart and all of that sort of thing. And so last year, I spent a lot of the year just trying to be really intentional about repentance and not just like, oh, no, mm -hmm. I did a bad thing kind of repentance, but facing every situation that came my way with a heart of being like, God, what are you saying and doing in this? How am I going to allow this to change me for the better? And because mm -hmm. repentance isn't just like, I'm sorry, I did something wrong. Repentance is literally changing your mind. And so I wanted mm -hmm. to look at all the areas of my life and just be like, hey, God, I'm an open book. I want to live with my heart open to transformation. And so my whole year mm -hmm. was kind of me focusing on that. And as we came into this new year, I was like, oh, God, I want you to speak to me again. I want you to speak to me. And um, just, I think it was last week um, or maybe the week before, God spoke to me again and it was again on repentance, but he came to me and he was like, Esther, what does my word say about where repentance comes from? And so then I was like looking and looking and, uh, it, and it says that it's the goodness of God that leads to repentance. Hmm. And so um, yeah. the thing that I've sort of been dwelling on right now is, okay, how do I press into the goodness of God and seeing his goodness in his word? And I started this year um, by doing a 30-day thread, shred, 30-day shred, mm -hmm. uh, Bible shred though. So I read the entire Bible in 30 days. Wow. And my consistent takeaway, reading the whole Bible, not just New Testament, not just Jesus, but all of the Bible, Old Testament, New Testament, was just seeing the incredible goodness of God and His grace all throughout. Mm -hmm. And every time people would fail Him, He would come back with these opportunities for repentance and turning around and blessing. And so um, that's kind of been the way that the Bible has been um, encouraging me and impacting mm. me recently. That's really awesome. Yeah, I've also been impressed recently by just the 
I'm understanding the connections by the overall sort of biblical narrative because I I don't know if I've shared before, but I'm studying at Bible college and just like learning more about, oh, wow, like all this Old Testament stuff that when I was younger, I sort of just like, oh, I don't understand that and how it actually ties in to like what is taught in the New Testament. And it's just like really cool. And yeah, I yeah. love that you've shared that overarching theme of just the goodness of God through it all. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's really cool. Um, yeah, one thing for me was literally just... Uh, something that stood out to me when I was reading my Bible yesterday and it um, came from Exodus 33 when um, God has just brought the Israelites out of Egypt and Moses is talking to God about going forward forward into the promised land and um, Moses asks um, God, Lord, if you're pleased with me, teach me your ways so I understand you more fully and um, or know you and continue to find favor with you. There's different translations there. Um, And God replies, my presence will go with you and I will give you rest. And I sort of find it interesting because it seems like Moses was like expecting God would reveal his plans to him and that knowing God's plans would help him to understand God more fully. But God's reply was just, I'll be with you and I'll give you rest. And um, yeah, for me, you know, I I quite like to know the plan and I always want to know like, what's the next step? But that kind of spoke to me like, um, uh, I guess, Revealing God's details and plans wouldn't actually help Moses get to know him more. It's mm-hmm. it's walking in relationship with him and in reliance on him for rest and things like that. And that just really spoke to me in a couple of verses in Exodus. So, yeah. Yeah, I love that so much. And uh, Exodus always reminds me of Hebrews and the beginning of Hebrews in chapters three and four. There's a lot of parallels mm-hmm. because the author is talking about how you know, all of them saw what happened, all of those people mm-hmm. that went through, but none of that generation got to enter into the promise. Mm-hmm. And um, and it, it just talks about, you know, the obedience of faith and how faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And so you've got to hear and then mm-hmm. you've got to obey and then rest comes. Yeah. Um, but I actually was thinking recently about, um, sort of that same scripture and all of that sort of thing and the the concept of, of rest and obedience. Mm-hmm. And it's super, super interesting because obviously God's presence is so important as a part of all of it. But the thing that's wild mm-hmm. about Moses is that he was, you know, um, there's a scripture in Exodus as well where God says um, to all the other prophets and leaders, I, I speak to them, but with Moses... I speak face to face. And so he has this implied intimacy and and closeness. And yet yeah. Moses also missed out on the promise because of disobedience. And so that's had me mm-hmm. thinking about, okay, so obviously the presence of God is so important. It's it's what we we want. We want that relationship with him. We want that closeness. But just because we have it doesn't mean we're necessarily mm-hmm. going to be obedient. And so I've mm-hmm. been pondering and thinking about, okay, I'm, I need to prioritize presence with God, but then I also need to prioritize how mm. I'm going to respond to his presence and just yeah. determining That's my really heart good. reaction to it. And so, yeah, you, you kind of reminded me with what you shared about mm. how I've been pondering on that yeah. as well. <laughs> yeah. Wow. That's so good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So the, the Bible is such a treasure trove, y'all. <laughs> mm, <laughs> it's definitely. So yeah. Well, it's, yeah. I can go down like little rabbit trails all over the place with that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, um, so that is going to be our consistent icebreaker. We were previously doing it where we would do different icebreakers all the time. And now we want to see what we can glean from every guest that comes on and every mm. person that graces our podcasts with their presence and and dig in more and more into what's God saying basically from his word right now. Um, And as Alex was saying, it's quite astounding when working with Bible translation, um, how you can see a disconnect between, or maybe even a connection rather, um, between You know, when people value the word, a lot of people that value the word heavily, when you share with them the Bible translation cause, they're immediately like, oh, of course that's important. Whereas when people don't have it as a crucial and vital part of their life, the connection isn't always there of why it would be an important thing. And so um, not only do we want to promote 
the important work of Bible translation, but mostly the important lifestyle of the word in our lives. So, um, mm. so mm. yes, I'm super excited about this question. Um, so we're yeah. going to move into discussing some of our highlights and uh, we have a theme of the highlights that we picked. Both Alex and I kind of had a hard time going through and picking our favorites because there were just so many good things yeah. and so many different yeah. things to talk about. And so I'm super grateful because Alex went through and kind of condensed them into some groupings of topics. And so today we're going to talk about um, valuing culture. And so the first clip that we have was from our guest, Wilf, and he is currently uh, working in Mexico with the Chinantec people group. And uh, we're, we're super excited to share this clip um, from our previous podcast. Um, but do you think, because you said it's a challenge that people don't quite understand why you've returned, do you think that sometimes presents like an opportunity to explain like why why you are back? Yeah, it, it is an opportunity to explain. And, and also uh, I, I think living by example is uh, it's a great thing. Mm -hmm. um, one of the things that sometimes I don't need to explain, but it just shows is the way I teach my kids how to speak Chinantec. Mm -hmm. um, a lot of people, when they're educated and they they live outside of the community, they don't want to speak Chinantec anymore. And they don't teach their ki kids or their children how to speak the language. Uh, but I teach my kids. Uh, and so when, when I'm there and they want to talk to my kids uh, and they try to talk to them in Spanish and they don't respond until they speak to them in Chinantec and then my kids will respond to them in Chinantec. Wow. So my my oldest, uh, he's eleven years old, William. Uh, he he was sitting outside selling. I think he was selling cookies, you know, biscuits. Um, one day, and there were uh, a lot of teenagers coming along, and they wanted to buy some of the things he was selling, and they spoke to him in in Spanish, and he William never responded to them, and they kind of tease him, you know, don't you understand Spanish? And William didn't say anything. And one of them spoke to him in Chinantec and William started talking. <laughs> so, yeah, that, that kind of helps with the, uh, you know, self-esteem and for people to value their language. Mm. To think, no, you know, you don't have to be, uh, to, to deny your language or deny your heritage just because you're educated. Mm. Mm. Awesome. Yeah. Well, I love that clip. Uh, it gives such an, a a um, clear highlight as to how important it is to relate to people in their way. And mm. it can be easy. I think you hear so many stories of colonizers from back in the day kind of going in and just thinking everyone should do it their way and assuming it mm. was the best thing and the right thing for people. And it can be easy for us when we're wanting to help people to assume that we know the best for them and and what's right for them and all that sort of thing. And, and having the humility to take the time to appreciate and respect and um, meet people at where they're at, you know. Um, mm. I love I love how that clip highlights that and I've, I've certainly seen um I've shared before on the podcast that I've done some like Lyft and Uber driving and I've seen at times when I take the effort to um if I don't know um someone's greeting in their language if they get into my vehicle and it's clear that they come from a different culture I'll, I'll be like oh well, where are you from and what's the language that you speak and how do you say hello in that language and then I'll, mm. I'll take the effort to to learn how they say hello and um it it always opens up conversation and uh, mm. a lot of times people that get into my car you know that they're not really necessarily expecting conversation and sometimes they might even be avoiding it but mm -hmm. taking that effort to know and understand them a little bit better always opens things up and then they want to know about me and then <laughs> it always leads mm -hmm. to greater conversation yeah. yeah that's really cool I particularly like the thing he said at the very end where he said uh it shows them you don't have to deny your language or your heritage just because you're educated and I yeah. think that's what I've heard a lot is um there's this sort of idea that 
um, in order to move forward and um, become educated and get a good career is you have to sort of leave behind this language and part of who you are. And I think that was so cool that he um, showed by example because something about wealth is that he's translating into his own mother tongue. So he grew up in that language community, Mm -hmm. left, um, got some training and is now going back to translate the Old Testament. And he's, like he said, living by example, showing that his background and his language is still important to him, that he's going to teach his kids that even though he's educated. And I think, yeah, that was just really cool. Yeah. And it's an interesting concept to think about how, um, you know, for our culture, you like people who have taken the time to be more educated would know more languages whereas for <laughs> other cultures um you know sometimes they they have their um dialect or their their people groups language and then there's kind of the main language and you kind of the concept is that you do away with the language to learn the main the main language of the people like in Spanish or for people in Mexico and to me I'm like oh my gosh you got you're so awesome you know your native language (laughs) and it's kind Mm -hmm. of the other way around it's such an interesting concept to think about um how precious precious it is to people um and and also the way that people kind of perceive themselves at, um, and the value that it gives to people. I mm. love that. For sure. Yeah. And I think our next clip really ties into the same theme. Um, we chose it. It came from our episode with Robert Hunt, who spent a lot of um, his years with his wife, Margaret, translating in a foreign language in the Philippines. And um, now they've completed the whole Bible, which he'll say in the clip uh, at the beginning, they had no idea it would go that far because the people didn't really have any interest in having um, scripture in their language, but just to see that change and how they began to value their culture was really cool. So, yeah, we'll listen to that. We're the third team that arrive. We say yeah. we've come to learn your language, translate the New Testament. And um, they said, yeah, right, because we're the third team. But they also said, anyway, we don't even like our language. Oh. We don't like our dark skin. We don't like our curly hair. We don't like how we talk. We don't like how we look. Everybody laughs at us and mocks us and everything. Just teach us English and then oh. you'll be doing something good for us. Wow. And so this was part of what I said before, that we were fortunate that we knew in our hearts that God had sent us there because mm-hmm. otherwise we would have turned around and come home because we had been taught in our Wycliffe training that, you know, people love the Bible and the language of the heart, the mother tongue. And here was a group of people say, actually, we hate our own language. Mm-hmm. Uh, we hate everything about our language and culture. And that was because they were a mocked minority group. So they had lived in the forest, in the rain forest, tropical forest. The bulldozers had come through. The wealthy businessmen had bulldozed a track and sold the forest. I don't know if it went to Japan or Korea or somewhere. And these people were discovered, in quotes, um, up there. And the, the loggers said, oh, we thought only monkeys lived up here. And anyway, these people do babble like monkeys. Um, so that was how they were treated the the Manobo people are quite different ethnically, uh, or I guess their their ancestry is different from the lowland Filipinos. The lowland Filipinos they'll have Spanish blood and Chinese blood, and they're very good business people. And that the the tribal people had quite different values. They they wear darker skin. They instead of having the standard sort of Filipino Chinese sort of straight hair, they had very curly hair. Wow. Um, so that uh, as the years went by, they'd go and get their hair straightened and, and all this sort of mm-hmm. thing. Yeah, so they said, no, we don't want our language. So we thought, we, we made a decision. We said, God, we know you've sent us here. We will do this. We will translate a gospel. We'll translate Luke. We will translate the beginning of the church. So we'll translate Acts. We will translate Hebrews because it talks about the blood sacrifice. So you don't need to sacrifice chickens or pigs anymore because Jesus is the perfect sacrifice. And we will translate Genesis because it's the beginning of everything. We thought we will stay long enough to translate those four books and then we'll give it to them and give it to God and we'll go home. Mm -hmm. So it was as we translated those books that they started to say, actually, we want the whole New Testament. Mm -hmm. 
And then as you heard later on, they said, actually, we want the whole Bible. So Mm. that was 100%, 100, um, 360-degree turnaround, Mm. a total change. So, and they also began to value their own culture? Oh, I don't know how long we've got, but okay, another another thing we did, um, we were able to raise some funds and build a studio. So with the um, you know the eggshell foam, you know that shape of foam, yeah. you, and board equipment like you've got, I can see in, in, on Zoom here. I can see your authentic <laughs> microphone and stuff like that. So we bought them recording equipment, and. We did some seminars. We sponsored some seminars for the people in songwriting because they would take a song, <clears throat> excuse me, like This Is The Day or something, you know, the popular songs of the time, which were in English, and they would translate them into their language. Mm-hmm. And we said, well, actually, worship needs to come from the heart. So instead of translating, your musical style is different. Why don't you start writing songs? So that we got them writing songs and recording songs. Oh. And then to make a long story short, but can you believe it? But in one of the squares in Davao City, so a major southern city, in one of the squares, you could go and they were playing these Matigsalo Christian songs wow. in the square of a major city. So suddenly these people that were mocked and said, oh, you're dirty and you're ignorant and you're, you know, all this and you don't look like us and you don't talk like us and you don't live like us, well, now they were actually being praised by the, the lowland Filipinos um, for their cultural advancement. So it was quite amazing. And mm-hmm. that was what contributed um, to to the desiring the translation along with the literacy program. Mm. That's amazing. Mm. That's so I'll just tell you about the literacy. I, I, I won't give you the long vision, but... I had to spend, I think it was several years, I had to take several years off Bible translation. Margaret led the literacy program teaching people to read. And I was I helped with the literacy program, but I, I really sort of resented it because it was meant we'd have to stay longer to get these four books finished, you know, because it was keeping me away from translation. Mm-hmm. So anyway, we did the literacy program to make a long story short. It became a fairly major program. The New Zealand government, um, through the uh, ambassador in the Philippines, helped sponsor it and others. And then we were home in New Zealand on a furlough, and the Matiksalo literacy program won a a regional award um, as being the most outstanding literacy program in their region of the Philippines. And that was when the people said, hey, They said, everyone calls us dirty and ignorant and all that, but we could succeed on their stage and get an award for the best literacy program. Mm. So something (laughs) that I resented, um, (laughs) that that was what turned them around because God did all that in them. You know, the Bible says even beyond what you can imagine, God can do, and it wasn't because of our great faith. In fact, I resented it, as I said, but God used that literacy program to make them value their own language and culture. Wow. There's just so much in there. <laughs> oh, I'm just, like, trying to write down things, like just all the different aspects of um, ways that um, they started to value their culture. Like the first that stood out to me was that it's through song that yeah. sort of um, I mean, you have a passion for music, so maybe you're better to speak to this, but I think it just reminded me of our episode with Jenny Erina, who also uh, yeah. is really gifted and talked so much about just the power of um, word declared in song. And I think the fact that they could do that in their own language just made it so much more powerful. I don't know if you have something to add to that. Oh, gosh. I mean, so much to unpack in, <laughs> in that thing. I, th- I do think it's pretty amazing um, that one of the things that God has put into every culture is their mm. own musical expression. Mm. And when people re- do realize, hey, I don't have to sing these sorts of songs, I can write my own songs. Like, I, I'll never forget, um, I went, I grew up um, not Catholic at all, but I went to a Catholic high school. And uh, we would do mass. I've, I, it definitely wasn't weekly, but it was, you know, pretty regularly. Um, a, as a school, we would do these mass things. And um, 
I remember there was a shift in excitement with the people that were at my high school, which were predominantly, you know, Polynesian um, and Maori people. And um, we we grew up where at the beginning of when we first came into high school at mass, they would play kind of um, contemporary Christian songs, but like from 10 years prior. And so mm. I remember, um, you know, I'd grown up in a church where, we'd always sung, you know, like the latest Hillsong songs. And so early 90s when I was a kid was when, you know, Shout to the Lord came out. And I remember getting to high school and being like, we're doing Shout to the Lord. This is such an old song. And <laughs> um, and for, for them, it was like contemporary. It was like, oh, wow, this is new. But then I remember, um, and, and so they would play these songs, but then when uh, the music teacher gave them permission to write their own worship song, mm-hmm suddenly everyone was invested. This was oh. our song. It wasn't just like the people that had written its song. It was like there was ownership mm. and um, and it was in more of a style that they were into and, you know, they had this heart connection um, through the music. And so it's mm. not surprising to me that when they empowered the people to create music, suddenly the heart for the word came along because I think mm. the more you realize how great God is, the more you want to sing songs about him. And mm. then um, the more you want to know him so you can sing better songs, you know. So it's kind of a natural yeah. progression. Um, and so, yeah, I loved how he shared that. It, it's so wild how um, I, lo- I love the moment where he talks about how he actually kind of begrudged the whole situation and didn't even yeah. really have faith for it, but they'd stepped yeah. out in faith. It was in the context of the fact they'd stepped out of faith to do this thing. Yeah. Um, and how, oh man, the, um, I can't remember where it is, but it says somewhere in the Gospels that the kingdom of heaven does not come by observation. Mm-hmm. And I think the thing that really stood out to me this time listening to this story was just how important it is to not look at things with our eyeballs right. <laughs> and, and actually yeah. to to wait on the Lord for his his sight on things and um because when he does that you know these these random ideas come out of nowhere and mm. it's um no eye has seen no ear has heard all the yeah. things that God has prepared but the Holy Spirit is there to highlight that stuff to us. And so yeah. we can be encouraged. Like we might not be out on the field with some people group on the other side of the world, but God wants to move like that in our lives today as well. Yeah. And, um, sure. and so I, I, I've loved those kinds of stories because it makes me excited for what God's doing all across the earth, but it also makes me excited for how my life could be impacted and the people around mm. me, you know. Yeah, and I think what is reflected in that how he um, sort of resented his literacy program was is that um, it was sort of like a uh, too much of a focus on the task. Like we yeah. just need to translate the Bible. That's all we need to do. That's what you know. But obviously, God had other ways to um, reach people better. Which obviously, translating the Bible is part of that. Yeah. But in order to give people the passion to actually want the Bible, is you need these other avenues. And so he's like, he realized, yeah, I resented that other literacy program, but God used it to um, transform people's lives more and give them more of a passion for the word so that while we were translating scripture, it could go even further. And then they wanted the whole Bible. And I think mm-hmm. just having that, we God has that bigger picture and sometimes we can just tend to focus too much on a task. And Yeah, yeah. absolutely. I think one mm-hmm. of our other guests, I can't remember who it was right now, um, but they mentioned that uh, it's really easy to get so focused on doing the translation work, but the translation is there for the purpose so that people can know God. And yeah, um, and yeah I, I love that you highlight that because it's so mm-hmm. important for us to keep the main thing the main thing. But like yeah. for a time, you do have to be focused on the project, but the outcome of it is also just as important and preparing yeah. for that and having our yeah. heart set on all of that and Certainly for me, when I get bogged down in the details, it can become pretty depressing. (laughs) So, So, yeah, well, the next clip that we wanted to share comes from um, Tove Rose, who hasn't worked in Bible translation with Wycliffe in the same way, but has worked in Bible translation in a different way. And we Mm. loved getting to talk to him and hear some of uh, his perspective on how other cultures have 
um, concepts and ideas that reflect the same God that we know from the Bible, um, and it's kind of built into their their culture and their life and all of that sort of thing. And so we thought we would share this clip. Tove's podcast was actually our most viewed and engaged mm. with podcast so far. Um, he's a pretty interesting guy, and he had personally my favorite um, icebreaker answer I think of the whole time which was super great but I'll let you guys go check out his whole clip to find out about that one um, but let me just pull up we actually have a couple of um, clips from Tove so let me just pull that up and bring it on the screen um, so but then there's also scriptural and let's say biblical concepts that are just inherently part of Native American culture that <laughs> most people would just never never consider that they are um so um like uh so the culture of honor culture of love family first family is a really big part of jewish identity and jewish culture there's so many similarities with family like native american culture there's no such thing as an orphan yeah yeah there's just it's just a beautiful beautiful cultural aspects um they have a concept of god that that uh is very biblical very the, like the the native tribes the the one the people that i know who are who grew up in a way that were not disconnected from traditional native culture um they are uh for the most part trinitarians Interesting. by, by Western standards they they believe in a, in a single primary god the same God my people do. <laughs> they believe they, they believe in the Holy Spirit. They also many of them have stories and they've experiences, dreams and visions of a man in white going back to the days of antiquity. Wow. A man with his, with holes in his hands. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, it's kind of wild when you read scripture and that whole concept of eternity written in people's hearts, hey. Um, and everyday creation speaking forth the truth of the gospel. And because of just that, we're without excuse. And then you go visit all of these different people groups and you find these little glimpses into that that story. It's pretty amazing, hey? Yeah. 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 I loved what he talked about with the things written into these different people groups. Um, mm. Super cool. But here's the second clip. Yeah, and there, you know, amazingly enough, there's, that's another similarity right there between um, Jewish culture, uh, what Michael Bickle and the International House of Prayer have established here, and Native Americans also. Wow. I, I, surprisingly, <laughs> that's a connection, the House of Prayer thing. Yeah. The, the, um, so the, uh, the first temple, Solomon's temple was dedicated as a house of prayer for all nations. Zerubbabel, mm -hmm. when he rebuilt the house and laid the foundation, they dedicated it as a house of prayer for all nations. Mm -hmm. uh, IHOP's vision is to create houses of prayer and to inspire from Kansas City a house of prayer for all nations. Yeah. The, the original inhabitants of North America, especially the Dakota Nation, which which at its biggest, at its, its, its legal land grant at this moment <laughs> is actually from Mexico City to the Arctic Circle wow. to the Rocky Mountains to the Great Lakes. It's half of North America. Wow. And they have this perspective that everything under their sky is their house. So they're walking outside, outside of a tent, outside of a whatever building, they're still in their house. And their house is a house of prayer mm. for all nations. Mm. That's so interesting. Yeah. yeah. Really cool connection. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it's beautiful. <laughs> yeah, I love the way that understanding sort of someone else's culture can even just enrich the way we understand <laughs> our relationship with God. Cause that, you know, we can apply that, you know, we're not just going to pray in specific buildings. Like, <laughs> you know, our lives, wherever we are, can be a, a house of prayer per se. Um, yeah. So I think it's just so cool when you, you know, hear something from someone else's culture that just enriches the way you understand life in relation to God. Yeah. Yeah. It's beautiful. And, and mm -hmm. one more piece to that. 
Awesome. Well, yeah, one of the reasons why um, when Alex brought some different themes of what we could talk about today, um, one of the reasons why I was keen on this theme of um, honouring cultures is just because I I feel like um, when we dig into understanding different cultures, it helps us, like he's saying, to have some of what God's word actually says highlighted to us. And then the other thing as well is like uh, recognizing the impact of the Bible and God's word and everything that God does and God's story for all people is um, it's a, it's just such a great way for us, us to catch a, a heart attitude that's like, wow, actually this work is so important. And so I want to encourage everyone that's watching that um, – we can go and we can share um, the work of Bible translation with everyone we know. And uh, the more that I have done so, the more people, I'm currently just so blown away. Every time I share about the work of Bible translation and how it impacts people and talk about the podcast and some of the guests that we've had with passengers that I'm driving with, they're Mm -hmm. always like, whoa. And they're always mm. so excited. And, and it's specifically whenever I share things that kind of touch on these cultural elements that really impact people where they're like, oh, there's something like that in my culture as well. Mm. And mm. so um, I, I just want to encourage everyone, like, if you're wondering how how you could even possibly be involved, one of the great things that we can do is just share with people the amount of non-believers that I have talked about Bible translation with, and they've been excited, is insane. Wow. Um, and yeah. I feel like um, when we gl- when we get into these things that Tova's talking about, like the whole house concept, it's just so beautiful. And I mm. think that captures people's attentions, attention. So. Yeah, I'm. I think like part of where it starts valuing other people's culture is acknowledging that we all understand the world through a certain worldview, right? So, like, we have our own culture through which we understand God and the world. And what our next clip was actually going to talk about, Campbell Prince will touch on this, but everyone's culture has, yes, things that reflect God, but also maybe things that hinder us from understanding God and acknowledging that, okay, I may not, the way I see it may not be the perfect way, and I can learn from other people in the way that they've come to understand God. And I think just having that perspective is so, so important. Um, Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Do you want to jump right into that next clip? Yeah, we can jump yeah. into the next one and just Sweet. delve into that a bit more. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> that in having cross and multicultural teams, that others can see that what we have, the message we bring, is not just something that's from our culture, but it sort of transcends culture. Would that also be something that's like a positive from it? Well, I, th- I think so. Um, there's, you know, they say they say about culture, you know, um, there's things that like. Um, are neutral, there's things that are wrong, and there's things that can be adapted to Christ, right? Um, mm-hmm. So it's, it's important that um, we don't bring uh, the things that are bad uh, mm-hmm. from our culture. Yeah. So we want to leave those behind as much as possible. Um, things that are, um, are neutral, they're okay. Um, and the things that uh, even a culture that we're working with, that they can adapt to uh, Christ, is a perfectly fine thing as well mm-hmm. um so you know it's basically um like you say transcending culture in a way mm-hmm. but it's like saying uh what what is it that you have in your history that is actually like touched by god you know mm-hmm. um so like worship forms is a fantastic yeah. um opportunity you know so you know there, there are still places where they sing like you know just translated hymns translated from english yeah, you know, but yet you listen to their um, to the indigenous music forms, and you go, "Wow, you guys, you guys have got music. You guys can sing. This is awesome." Mm-hmm. Um, but how about we start writing our own stories, our, our own music? You know, yeah. Um, and they go, "Oh, we didn't know we were allowed to do that. I thought God might not like it because God likes your music. He doesn't like our mm-hmm. music." Um, mm-hmm. No, no, He's gifted you, and He values um, your music as well, right? Mm-hmm. Um, in fact, yeah. maybe even better. So like encouraging yeah. people, like in terms of how you actually go about relating um, with uh, to God through your own culture, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. You know, and they'll have the same decisions to make. Oh, there's things we should leave behind because God would not be happy with that. There's things that are neutral and there's things mm-hmm. that we can adapt. 
uh, but they need to go through that journey for themselves too. That's really cool insight. Yeah, so you've, I guess we've highlighted the importance of multicultural and cross-cultural environments. What um, insights have you gained from living and working and leading in these cross-cultural environments over the years? Well, that we're, um, I think the interesting thing is um, it's really hard to love others more than yourself when you don't know people so well. Yeah, right? that is very um, good. <laughs> I, I can love people. It's, it's easy to love people that I like. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, um, it's easy to love people that are like me. Yeah. Um, <laughs> that I feel comfortable with. Um, it's much harder to love people that you just don't know mm -hmm. and you don't understand at all. Mm -hmm. Um, and you, you end up knowing that you should love them, but sometimes you realize that you actually don't. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that's actually a very healthy position to be in is to be honest with mm -hmm. yourself and go, no, I'm actually not loving these people. I'm trying to love mm -hmm. people, but I'm actually, I'm actually failing. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. and then God just will, um, provide, um, either people that can, or he will help change yourself and, uh, your attitude or your ability or your knowledge, something will change. Um, and so. I think the biggest insight I've gained is that we go through this journey, we're not alone, that we're journeying with Jesus, you know, enabled by his Holy Spirit. Mm, that's so powerful. I love the point about when we don't really know people, we can't really love them in the same way. Mm, um, mm. It reminds me of a story where um, my dad, he had had this revelation from God um, and written a song called Face to Face, and the lyrics are like, face to face, every race. Um, face to face, eye to eye, I see you smile upon me. I press my lips upon your cheek to kiss you now, lest you be angry. You shed your blood to take away my sin. You tore the veil so I could enter in, and by your grace to the holiest place, I worship you face to face. And his whole concept was about every race, um, it's for all people group with that, people groups with that. Mm -hmm. And but then God took him on this journey where um, he had been working with some people and uh, he had a specific heart for them, but they invited him to a tangi. And um, for a dad's family at funerals, you are very reserved and you kind of hold in your emotions and all of that sort of thing. Whereas at a, at a tangi, especially a traditional one, um, which is a Maori funeral, they're very, very expressive. And they, you know, they have waiata and they, and they, they mourn loudly and expressively. And, um, and, but then they also greet each other, um, you know, with a kiss on the cheek or with a hongi. And uh, that was another thing that wasn't a super huge part of my dad's family life was, you know, they didn't they didn't have a whole lot of physical affection. And so he got to this tangi and he was affronted by all of this difference. And God was like, you think you're so special, you know, wanting to work with all these races. And here you are standing at this thing, able to relate with these people and you're so uncomfortable get over yourself. <laughs> and um, I, I just always remember that story and how much that impacted dad and, and, and realizing like, yeah, it's easy for us to think that our intentions are so pure because we want to help people. Yeah. And yeah, we do want to help people, but a lot of the time we want to help people on our terms and, and taking mm -hmm. the effort and time to appreciate and value people's cultures like like he's yeah. saying, it really does shift our hearts toward them. Um, yeah. And, toward and I think it's just such an important note to end on that, like, yes, after all this, we could come away and just be like, oh, yeah, wow, we just have to value all culture and just, you know, mm -hmm. feel enlightened by that. But it's like a challenge to be honest with ourselves. And, um, okay, where am I actually not um, valuing people's culture? Or where am I yeah. feeling like I'm unable to understand or love people? And, then invite God into that and ask God to help us to um, see people through his eyes. And yeah. um, that's probably the best approach to valuing culture, yeah. I think. So it's just so important to end on that, I think. Yeah, for sure. Well, and I, I think it's so so helpful because pragmatically he had such a great point that there are definitely things from culture where 
they're not necessarily helpful. And so mm. it's not just, it's not about blindly going into it and just being like, oh, I'm going to yes. embrace everything from this, yes. but it's understanding. Um, mm. It's actually really funny. I re- I follow a person on Instagram um, called Nathan Finocchio and he started mm. Theosu, um, which is an online kind of uh, university for uh, theology and the, the whole tagline is it, we're Netflix for theology so it's like easy and attainable <laughs> clips and anyways um, he did a recent thing in his stories on Instagram where he he shared this tr- this truth but it was the, kind of the two facets of his um, intentions and he's like so I want to know everything about everything because I want to help people understand and know God better, but also because I'm insecure and I <laughs> don't want to look like an idiot. And so he just, and he was like, now you mm-hmm. go. And all hundreds of people sent in the different yeah. kind of double-sided things of like their intentions. And mm-hmm. I think sometimes it's just good for, it was such a funny, it was so, so, so funny to interact with and watch yeah. on Instagram, just all these hilarious things that came in and honest things. And it's, mm-hmm. I think it's good for us to remember and kind of like not take ourselves too seriously. And a lot of the time when we do have strong intentions and and we really want to do good and help people and help people and see change and all of that sort of thing we can kind of get a bit full of ourselves and believe Mm -hmm. our own press and kind of just like um think we're the bee's knees and we have everything to offer but actually checking your heart a little bit um can be so powerful so (laughs) i love that it's like having that posture of humility is so important yeah 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 well, we're going to uh, move on to our segment, which we will definitely keep, which is praying for Five Nations um, every episode. So this week, we're going to be praying for Burundi, Cambodia, Cameroon, Canada, and Cape Verde. So would you like to lead us in prayer for those, Esther? Yes, for sure. Well, Lord Jesus, we thank you for these nations. We thank you for Burundi, Cambodia, Cameroon, Canada, and Cape Verde. Verde, um, Lord Jesus, thank you for the languages represented in these nations, for all of the people groups. Thank you for the leaders and um, the vast population across the board with all of these nations. Lord, there's hundreds of people groups represented here and hundreds of them do not have your word. And so I ask for workers to go. I ask for the resources to fund um, translation projects and and fund the people that will go and do the work. And I ask for amazing connections with these people groups that they would be empowered and equipped to be able to take hold of this and see the value of Bible translation. Lord God, I ask for salvation. I ask for Mm -hmm. healing. I ask for reconciliation. I ask for all the things that only you can do for these nations. And I speak your life. And thank you that your heart and your purpose for every nation is for them to be a part of the, your eternal mm. story. And so we ask for um, your eyes to be on these people as, the, as we know they are. Your, your word says your, your thoughts towards us are so vast that we can't count them. And so thank you for your heart for these people groups. And we ask that your kingdom would come and your will would be done in these nations. Mm. In Jesus' name. Amen. Yeah, and we're just going to end with a little bit of uh, news from each of us, from Wycliffe and then Esther Wisher from Eversmith, um, just to keep you guys in the loop with what's going on. So with Wycliffe, um, this year is actually our 60th anniversary. So we've been around as Wycliffe New Zealand for 60 years. Um, and just a little bit of a heads up to watch this space for um, the ways we plan on celebrating this year um, and sharing um, stories with you of what God's done over the years. Um, and then the other thing is we have two um, dedications that we hope to have this year by people with MCL members, projects they've been involved in. Um, and just, yeah, watch this space again. We hope to give you more details in coming episodes on how you can be praying for those and getting them across the line so that scripture can go into the hands of people. So, yeah. Awesome. Well, so for Eversmith News, um, we're actually really excited because one of our previous guests, Papa Bear, um, Todd Finney, he has expressed interest for getting some work beginning on a translation pro. pro- 
can't speak project for the Dakota people group um, which would be so amazing Uh, he shared on his podcast that they don't have anything in their language and so that would be an awesome thing to get into it's one of the bigger people groups um, out of the US First Nations people so Super, super exciting there. We're also working on a project called Ceasefire. It's part of our our Music City United Festival, and um, it's been kind of founded and uh, led and uh, spearheaded by um, the Black Church in Nashville and some of the leaders involved there, and they have chosen for some reason to come alongside what we're doing and be like, hey, let's make this ceasefire happen over Juneteenth weekend. Um, Juneteenth has only recently been made a federal holiday in the US. And um, last year, unfortunately, it was marred by some violence. And so many of the leaders in Nashville are calling for this ceasefire. And so we're super excited to get to partner with that. So keep out Uh, an eye out and ear out for that. And finally, we're just about to head into uh, a relent fast. I've been praying and um, excited about seeing a move of God in the traditional church that celebrates Lent. And so for the past few years, we as Eversmith have been um, fasting and praying along with uh, the traditional church as they celebrate Lent. And uh, so we would love for you guys to join us. If you want to be a part of that, just send us a message and we would love to have you. Um, and that's it for this episode. Uh, it was fun to kind of look back and remember yeah. some of the things. And uh, we will be back with you next month with our next episode and excited to keep talking about the way that Uh, Bible translation brings hope to the people groups of the world. And uh, if you would like and comment and share, that helps us majorly. And Mm. yeah, we'll see you next time. Bye. See ya.